You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. Yeah, this is Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. It is the 7th of January. If you're returning to work today, good luck. I believe 2019 is going to be a phenomenal year. Um, if feeling a bit despondent, we just have to make it to April, early May. We'll have the results of a national election, the first in 25 years. And an election, I'm sure, is going to have a profound impact on South African politics and governance. So hold out. Let's see what happens. The economy can only be boosted. Um, if the ANC stays in power, well... It's a mandate from the people that basically enforces that mandate that Ramaphosa received a year ago from the National Elective Conference in December of 2017 at Um If we have a stronger opposition, that's great. It holds uh, whatever ruling party there is in place to power. If you read the news this week uh, in independent newspapers, which is the Saturday Star, the Saturday August, the Weekend August, etc., you would have seen um, a couple of stories about the increase in phishing, malware, and Trojans being loaded specifically with banking apps, etc. I must be honest with you, I was absolutely astounded by the figures. I was asked to contribute uh, comment towards the, the particular stories, following up on a story the previous week where a, a, a person lost over 3 million rand in a SIM swap they had been overseas. And with this follow-up story, I decided to, to, to look at the stats a lot more in depth. And I must be honest, the stats were shocking. Sabric, which is the organization that monitors risk um, in South Africa for the banking sector, etc., showed that in 2017, through phishing, malware, trojans, etc., specifically with banking apps, also including SIM swaps, 250 million rand, a quarter of a billion rand, was lost. But it doesn't stop there. SIM swaps between January and August of 2017, compared to January to August of 2018, doubled. A 104% increase. We cannot sit back and allow this to happen. This is something the banks need to look at. This is something the, the SIM card service providers need to look at because we cannot continue down this route. We cannot have such a commonplace fraud doubling within a year when there are so many measures in the cyber world that have been placed there specifically to try counter such a threat. Just now on the show, I'm going to be chatting to Philip Opperman. He is the South African chapter um, president of the Association of Auto Theft Investigators. We're going to be talking about auto theft and all things related. I'd like to remind you that the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. I'm sitting with uh, Phil Opperman. I've known Philip for many years. He is the South African uh, chapter president of the Association of Auto Theft Investigators, and he's also the CEO of Recovery Tag, What's Yours? We're first going to chat about the Association of Auto Theft Investigators. Philip, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jed. Um, we had you in the hot seat a couple of years ago. Yep. At that stage, you weren't the, the head of the South African chapter of the Association of Auto Theft Investigators. No, correct. What is the Association of Auto Theft Investigators? Where was it founded? What does it do? And in how many countries is it represented? It's an association, um, as it states, International Association of Auto Theft Investigators. It was founded and formed in the United States in 1952. So it's an old organization. Um, and we represented in 35 countries. Um, uh, our membership is made up of 
uh, law enforcement agencies and officers, uh, your insurance industry investigators, banking institutions, vehicle manufacturers, security experts, forensic specialists, government registration and vehicle inspections, policy advisors, customs, and the National Prosecuting Authority. So that's quite a, 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 a big scope we've got in terms of the expertise within the association. I met um, last year, I was investigating a specific individual for a number of crimes, and um, he was caught on camera a few times, and when we ran the plates, it came up that they were car rentals. Mm. And we went to see one of the heads of, um, uh, of, of the car rental agency's investigation divisions, um, turned out it was just him and a colleague that ran this division. But I must say, I was totally blown away by their stats. I think his stat rate was between 98 and 99% um, recoveries. But that was because of the hard work they had put in, the efforts mm. they had put in, etc. And I then realized that rental cars are one of the most at risk, especially with what we were discussing earlier, things like fishing, etc. Because if you steal somebody's ID, you can go rent somebody, you can go rent a car using somebody else's identity, and that car then could basically disappear. Well, motor vehicles are, are linked to a lot of crimes, Chet. They're linked to drug running, they're linked to human trafficking, um, you name it, armed robbery, your CRT, uh, everything. Now, when, when they typically steal a car or hijack a vehicle, it's for a specific purpose. Uh, identity theft is rife, as you know, um, through the phishing scams and things. So identity theft, it happens. You've got a, a legitimate ID now. A criminal now has that ID. He can rent a vehicle. He can transport his drugs, uh, to, uh, human traffic, whatever, with that vehicle for a point and then drop the vehicle. Um, they use it for a, a limited time, so the recovery rate is very high on the, on the rental vehicles. Um, it's the other vehicles that um, uh, tend to, uh, you know, uh, the recovery rates are much higher than it used to be because of micro technology and the abilities to identify vehicles quicker. But, um, yeah, that's uh, the rental vehicles are abused for those purposes. I think um, the rental agencies, they obviously have systems in place. They have double-up systems in place. And I think for them, having a dedicated team makes life a lot easier. But as an individual or as a small company, people don't have individual teams. They rely on the insurers, and the insurers don't have that much time and effort, so they then rely on the tracking companies, etc. Sure. Um, but but crime is, is rampant. Yeah. And when one looks at what you pointed out, a car can be used for so much, and cars get ordered for specific purposes. Yeah. I know in the old days they would order the big-size BMWs and the big-size Mercedes-Benzes as ramming cars yep. so that they could ram the CRT vehicles, and then they would order buckies um, so that those buckies could have the armed guys that would then jump off and surround the CRT vehicle that had been pushed off the road. So it, from a crime intelligence perspective, it was it was great in those days to be able to identify what type of vehicles were going to be used because it would lead you to those syndicates. But times have changed. Let's talk about how cars are now being stolen and changed. I remember in the nineties there was there was a system that if a car was a stolen recovered, the the police would literally chop using um, a hammer, a chisel, numbers onto that car or engrave numbers onto that car and allocated new numbers if all the numbers had been removed. So certain jurisdictions have different numbers. There were AAPV numbers, there were TJS numbers, there were TPA numbers. But it opened up a whole new avenue for stolen cars because what would then happen 
and this was prior to Enatus, is that if a stolen recovered car was recovered in Johannesburg, for example, they would chop these TPA numbers onto it. They'd get a paper for that car with those numbers. They would then go steal another car identical to that car, chop those same numbers on it, but register it in a different jurisdiction. Obviously, that can't be done now because of Enatus. So what is happening now? What is the trends with theft of motor vehicles? Well, that's, that's the cloning process he's speaking about, Chad. Now... Um, cloning a vehicle, you're typically taking, like you said, one vehicle. Um, you've got the vehicle. You've got a, a similar vehicle which has been exported. You have access to that VIN number. So you take the local vehicle, change the VIN number to the exported vehicle, uh, counterfeit the paperwork, and get it processed. There's a lot of people out there who are driving cloned vehicles and they don't even know about it. Now, the Insurance Crime Bureau has been working very, very hard on that. And uh, the successes are coming through now. Cloning is one of the big... There's two reasons why vehicles are, are stolen. It's chop shops and it's cloning. Um, your chop shops with the advent of uh, microdot technology, if you find a starter motor or anything uh, lying in a, in a chop shop, you can identify the original VIN within under a minute, get the case number and seize all those parts. So from that perspective, um, it's very difficult to clone a vehicle. If they're cloning a vehicle with a microdot on it, for example, and it's very difficult, you actually cannot sanitize a whole vehicle with microdot that have got microdot technology on it. The old days, you didn't have microdot technology, quite easy to change a VIN, so on, but that, that, that microdot pin number is linked to the original VIN number of that vehicle. So if they've changed that VIN, it's still going to reflect on the systems that original VIN number, which uh, attracts a case number to it. I want to talk about microdot technology just now because it seems like we are using technology that's been used previously because it's come back because it seems to be the best technology to use. But you've got all these tracking companies with these supposedly incredible statistics. Why are people getting around um, tracking? How are criminals able to circumvent tracking? Because you can't buy a car these days and finance it without a tracker, surely. Mm. Mm. Well, Tracking, um, you know, you've, you've got that 10 minutes period when, when a vehicle has been either hijacked or stolen. Hijackings, the, the, the vehicles, they're getting back exceptionally quick. Um, when a vehicle is stolen, for example, it left in a car park, you've gone to dinner, three hours later you go back, you find the vehicle gone. By that time, it's halfway to Mozambique. So, but on hijackings, they are very, very effective. And um, the tracking companies are part of IAT as well. So uh, there's a lot of initiatives there. We've got uh, the larger ones and the smaller ones, um, all part of our initiative. But hijackings are, are, are the problem because well, the stats show that uh, vehicle theft has gone down by 2.3%. But the violence in hijackings has increased, and that's a fact. So they're not just ta uh, hijacking the vehicle, pointing the gun, pushing people out. They are beating them up. They're terrorizing them. They are um, hurting them. They're taking their – if they find they've got bank cards on them, they will take them along for a drive to the ATMs. They'll empty ATMs. They'll wait till after 12 o'clock to get more money out. Um, th that, unfortunately, is, is, is a major um, uh, upswing in, in, in the, that. So people just have to remain exceptionally vigilant. So the hijacking becomes an armed robbery. It becomes a kidnapping. Do they normally release the person with the vehicle, or do they take the vehicle and dump it? Do they keep the vehicle? Or is it a mixture of both? 90% uh, of the time, they keep the vehicle, 
and they dump the person, a traumatized person. Now, a traumatized person like that, from an eyewitness perspective, is actually quite useless when it comes to information back on the, from the, to the, to, to give people the information for police investigations. Because such a traumatized person, their mind alters perceptions of what's actually happened. Time becomes longer, shorter. So, the, the traumatizing is actually quite a, a, a tactic that they have got. But the fact that they're actually hurting people and they're actually killing people is, is a major, major problem. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to be chatting more about the International Association of Auto Theft Investigators and their role within the static environment and whether they are assisting in repatriating stolen cars that have managed to get across the border. You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. Today we're chatting about auto theft in South Africa, how not to become a victim, and if you do become a victim, how to recover your assets. I'm chatting to Philip Opperman. He is the South African chapter president of the International Association of Auto Theft Investigators, and he's also the CEO of Recovery Tag, What's Yours? Before we went to break, I mentioned that I wanted to chat about the SADC um, community and whether or not your association has been able to liaise effectively with the chiefs of the different static countries because that's where the majority of our cars are pitching up um, and not just borderline states. We've got cars going up as far as Congo, um, cars going up to Zambia. So it's not just your Zimbabwe, your Namibia, your Botswana, your Mozambique. So what has your association done to be able to liaise with these police chiefs and has there been any success? The Cross-border is a major, major problem, Chad, because once that vehicle's over there, it's, it's a whole new, a lot of rules and regulations that have to happen. Now, with the association, that's why we've got members within these SADC countries. So, it does assist that that person can assist in, in, in repatriating the vehicles. We've got um, agreements with Lesotho, uh, Mozambique, I think, currently. The Insurance Crime Bureau has done a hell of a lot in terms of that. Uh, setting up those agreements to get the repatriations and those vehicles back. There are unfortunately some countries which you just will never get that vehicle back and there's people of influence actually driving those vehicles within those countries. So there is, that is the sad component. But, you know, insurers have to look when they repatriate a vehicle. Is it, um, financially viable to repatriate it or actually write it off? So, that is, it is a major problem, but you do want that vehicle back, and insurers do want it back, because that's what's keeping our premiums down on the salvage side. It's sad that technology seems to be the reason why there seems to be an increase in violence associated with um, the taking of a vehicle, and more so now the, the knock-on effect of now, well, because the person was there, I may as well hold them hostage and try empty their bank accounts. Because in the old days... Um, cars never came with specific keys that had to be within a specific radius of the car for the car to be able to be started, etc. And with the increase in technology now, the easiest way to steal a vehicle is to make sure the owner is as close to the vehicle as possible so that you can get the key from them and be able to take the key and thus take the person. Yeah. Do you see us perhaps regressing, instead of going forward with technology, perhaps using Older technology, bringing it back, like we had gear knob sticks in the old days. We had steering locks. We had immobilizers. We had mm. secret immobilizers that were hidden mm. somewhere within the vehicle. Do you see us going back to that and not just relying on what comes factory fitted? You see, we're with the evolution of vehicles. Um, modern manufacturers are trying to make it more and more um, simpler for vehicles and enjoyable for, for owners of vehicles to 
to start their vehicle. It's got Wi-Fi. It's got everything. With that comes the criminal element. Now, the criminals aren't the old guy with a hood and a spanner that uh, breaks the window, hotwires a car, and ducks anymore. They are they 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 know their stuff. And with the with with the advent of of of, of this technology being available now into motor manufacturers. A simple way around that. I mean, you get the relay attacks. You've heard about relay attacks where the key is in the house. They've got a scanner. It starts the vehicle. The guys drive off, drive off, and they've got the vehicle. Now, if you had an immobilizer, a simple aftermarket immobilizer within that vehicle, that couldn't happen. Um, you know, so it is in the UK, for example, there's been a massive drive going back to aftermarket immobilizers. Yes, your, your, your gear locks and things like that as well. So what we're busy with at the moment in international is looking at vehicle security systems in terms of um, grading it. So saying what, should, what, is, what is the best vehicle security system, and it's layered. Uh, so it will start with, say, for example, your, your, um, your aftermarket immobilizers. Today, vehicles are so advanced, you don't actually link it into the electrical system anymore. They get linked into the CAN system of the vehicles. So you can hide that little immobilizer anywhere. It's not that they can pop the lid, they see there's a box, and they can bypass the immobilizer. Hide anywhere in the vehicle. So that is happening as we speak. So definitely, tech, even the old tech, is starting to increase and, and get better and better. Because... Um, you know, prevention is a hell of a lot better than trying to get the vehicle back. So it goes down to the old aspects of target hardening. Yep. If you had two identical BMWs parked next to each other in the old days, one didn't have a gear lock, one did have a gear lock, the one that didn't have the gear lock would most probably be the one that they would target. Um, if you had two houses next to each other, one with electric fence, one without, the same the same um, principle applies. Correct. But do, do people not become frustrated having to go back towards old technology, considering how easy life has become with Wi-Fi, with, with um, cardless um, opening, with, with keyless rather, opening yeah. of your car or cardless. Some have cards. Mm. Marina has a card. Um, do you not think people may resist um, having to put aftermarket products um, on board to save their vehicle, especially if they think, well, I have insurance anyway? I don't think so, Chad. You know, if you've got an aftermarket uh, uh, immobilizer, for example, on your vehicle and, and, and you're driving a specific vehicle and uh, they're stealing those vehicles, for example, your insurance premiums are going to climb. So in actual fact, what you're doing by securing your vehicle the best you can, you're ensuring that insurance premiums um, are, are going to remain down because if your claims are down, your premiums are down. And if they are stolen, you want to get them back as quick as possible. So that is a, that's from an insurance perspective. Um, definitely I can see going forward there are going to be m- bigger moves towards your sort of aftermarket type security systems. Let's talk about the stats you mentioned earlier and let's mm. go through the stats that you brought with. Mm. You made mention that year on year, um, the most recent stats release showed a reduction in car theft. To what do you ascribe that? Well, we're not too sure exactly, but, um, there has been this last 2017, 2018, and uh, with, with public-private partnerships, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, initiatives out there and targeting vehicle theft. Um, it, yes, it does, it does um, assist in bringing down the stats, but, it, you know, it's gotta be, you've got to keep hitting it on the head and, and, and keeping it down. Um, I, I, for example, can't give you an exact reason why it's down, um, 
2.3%. But for example, if you look at your truck hijackings, I mean, they're up 1.6%. That's mostly for the cargo, though. Um, your, 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 your cargo hijackings. And, um, that is a bit unsettling because, um, that is on the increase as well. You mentioned earlier chop shops. Is chop shop still, um, in big demand? Is it by order, do you think? Do you think perhaps if you've got a road panel beater that's got the contract to repair a car, it's going to be far easier for him to, to order a, a car of a, of, of the same make rather than import the spares? Or do you think it's just chop shops in general for the popular makes? Popular makes are, are normally, and, and the guys, the, the, the manufacturers have the market share. You'll find that their, the, their theft stats are more than the rest. It's not because it's that vehicle. Uh, it's because of the market volumes. But it is. The parts are used on, on second-hand vehicles. Um, you know, if you've uh, pick, I'll give you a scenario. So say you've got a, a, a panel beater that's not on, a, on an insurance panel. Um, you don't have insurance. He's going to fix it for you. Um, he, he can get that panel from a chop shop. Uh, he'll put it on the vehicle. Instead of charging you five and a half thousand rand for the panel, he's going to charge you three and a half thousand rand for the panel. He's probably bought that panel for two hundred bucks. So you see, the biggest thing with any crime like that, for example, you've got to stop these guys buying these parts because if they keep buying the parts, it creates a market. It's the old car radio story. Um, you know, if you keep buying stolen car radios, they're going to steal your radio because you've created a market. So, but chop chops are used for. Uh, a variety of things. A lot of the, the, the parts do go over the border um, and so on. But, yeah, definitely, yeah. Do you remember how cool we felt in the early 90s when we could pull our Panasonic or Kenwood out with a with its <laughs> handle and we'd walk around the shopping center going to movies and restaurants yep. carrying a radio before you got the facelift yep. or the face off? That, yep. Sure, we've progressed from those days. Now they, they, they specifically for those vehicles that don't fit in any other car. But my word, I remember how cool I felt when they had just come out and you slid that radio out and you walked around the shopping center literally carrying your car radio. Yeah, yeah. Those were the days. Those we're gonna take, days. we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about proactive ways to get your car and your other assets back. You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. Philip Oppermann, CEO of Recovery Tag, What's Yours? and the South African Chapter President of the International Association of Auto Theft Investigators. This company, Recovery Tag, What's Yours? It, 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 it interests me because I remember Recovery. It was a dot that you introduced a couple of years ago. You've now got, you've changed it to Recovery Tag, What's Yours? That's Correct. quite a mouthful, but it, it means that you're now becoming a lot more inclusive. Tell us a bit about that. Well, microtechnology has been around for, oh, since World War One and World War Two, we just commercialized it from about 2000 on when uh, we started being able to identify um, and use it as a as a, as a crime fighting tool. Um, you know, so like we mentioned earlier, um, your micro numbers on vehicles, for example, are linked to the VIN numbers. So you can find a, a part of a car somewhere and you identify the original uh, vehicle. Um, Microrunning has done fantastic things for salvage, Chad. It really has. Um, but now this is going back again. This is yeah. something that is historical. This isn't something new and earth-shattering. And it's like we said earlier, it's target hardening. So let's talk about the product itself. Mm. Why is it unique? Is it visible to the naked eye? Is it possible for a criminal to get rid of it? Tell me what the product is. Okay. The 
micro dot uh, is is one mil by one mil in size, so it's it's very very small. On that one mil by one mil micro dot, uh, we fit nine lines of, of of code on there, which is a pin number, um, and that is applied to a vehicle by an accredited fitment centre. You just don't want anybody doing it by an accredited fitment centre. Uh, the footprint's governed by SANS 534 in terms of compulsory marking areas and so on. And uh, it's fitted to the vehicle. So 15,000 uh, of our microdots are placed into the vehicle and uh, right throughout the vehicle. So to desanitize, for example, to try and get a criminal would call it desanitizing, it's impossible. Because they have to try and remove all Hold 15,000. So, so how, how do you place 15,000 microdots on one car? <laughs> One at a time, Chad. <laughs> no, okay, so I'm booking my car in for three weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's applied with a spray, a spray device. Yeah. Um, the adhesive is water-based, non-toxic, and it's got a, a UV component to it. Um, about 10% UV, so it fluoresces if a black light is used. And that's how the police identify if a vehicle is microdotted or not. Or at a chop shop, uh, shine it onto the back of the headlights, whatever, and see this is a, a microdotted pot. Well, this I now need to ask you. If the police raid a scrapyard or if the police are based at the border control, mm. do they have the equipment to assess these vehicles that are moving about or that are parked in, in scrapyards or who, that have been stripped in scrapyards? Do they have those capabilities in place? Yes, they do. The VCIUs, the, the investigation components of the vehicle side, have got all these kits because they use it from uh, uh, daily to identify vehicles. Um, your, your normal uh, van driver or, or so on wouldn't have those kits because they don't really get exposed to it. But they would always call in a VCIU type uh, uh, member of police to, to investigate a suspect vehicle and they would have the stuff. Yes, we have. There's, Alone, we've we've uh, supplied close on ten thousand units into South African law enforcement. Forgive me for digressing, but mm. I'm, I'm looking at this product and I'm thinking about other applications. Now, if a firearm is stolen, mm. the first thing they do is remove the serial number. Mm. Depending on how they remove the serial number, there is a possibility that ballistics can recover that serial number um, through deeper analysis because when a, when a number is chopped into a piece of metal, it actually goes into the metal further down. Yeah. So even if it's scratched off completely, under intense magnification, you may be able to recover that. But that's a very slim chance, and it's very labor-intensive considering the amount of weapons that are recovered on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. When a re- when a weapon weapon is recovered, it's nice to be able to build a timeline of that weapon from when it was stolen. But if there's no if there's no serial number because it's been removed, you won't know when it was stolen or who it was stolen from or from which province. Correct. So you know where I'm going with this. Yep. Is it possible for your product to be placed on firearms? It is. But watch where it's got to be placed is in the covert uh, regions of on, on, on firearms. So under the grips. Under grips, uh, within the magazine, uh, where there's no friction, friction site uh, to it. Um, for them to try and remove, you know, and also, I mean, they've got to remove all those microdots off that, that firearm. But if for them to dip, take that firearm and dip it into an acid tank, for example, because now they want to so it's so-called sanitize the firearm, it's going to destroy the firearm because it won't last uh, six, seven months after that because it's going to start rusting away. But I don't think they would know about the fact that a firearm is microdotted because I don't think people are microdotting firearms. 
Um, they are, Chad. We've, we've got uh, quite a big component of clients who have micro-dotted firearms. Um, it's not, uh, obviously, it's not advertised, but, um, yep, it is, and they are. Uh, well, now I'm happy to hear this because now I want to know if the police and the military are going to start microdotting their equipment because if we can then track back once vehicles or weaponry or bulletproof vest or anything um, and that obviously the plates I'm talking about in the vest, we'll be able to see where it comes from. It will aid in statistics and maybe expose syndicates. So what is, what is your thoughts on having the state, whether it be correctional services, police, um, army, and even CIRA, making it a compulsory thing that any weapon used for the protection of a site, an individual, or for law enforcement be microdotted? That would be perfect because... Uh, you know, if you look at uh, these uh, CRTs, you look at the weapons those guys are using. Where are they getting those R5s from? Where are they coming from? They're getting stolen from um, armories, from, from army, and so on. So, for example, now the police hit, the, they stop the CRT, they've got a firearm, they know exactly where it's coming from. I mean, at one stage you had a, a I won't mention the country, but the, the, the Navy was renting their firearms to the Somali pirates. That's where they were getting those firearms from. So, but when they got the firearms, they didn't know where they were coming from. We had a police officer in Alex police station that was renting out firearms on a regular basis to syndicates. So I think it's very important that even if it's not been rented out where there's still a serial number, but if there isn't a serial number, because of the backlog at forensics and ballistics, if the people within law enforcement can scan that immediately and find out where it came from, it can create a timeline a lot quicker and Correct. aid in the closing of a lot more cases. We're going to be back straight after this you're listening to confidential brief with chad thomas my mind's all over the place i'm thinking about these products and how we are going back towards more traditional type products to secure our assets and i'm thinking to myself prevention by far is better than cure but if Something happens and you do suffer a loss. It's great to get that asset back. And a lot of people don't realize that they're underinsured. So while we were having a break, I was chatting to Philip off air and I was saying to him, what about boats? What about motorbikes? What about, you know, your televisions and everything like that? Now, a lot of this is insured, but a lot of people are underinsured. What what kind of products would you recommend microdots be used on, Phil? Well, it's your high-value products, uh, Chad. For example, um, Mark Krugerrands. Krieger rates you could, but uh, yeah, but it's your high value items. If you look at any uh, home invasion, for example, um, there's like five major assets that consist of eighty percent of that claim. Um, Yes, they take a lot of the other stuff, but it's your firearms, it's your uh, laptops, it's your surround sound systems, flat screen TVs, and those type of things. That's the the major component of the claim. So if those are micro dotted and and registered, um, when the when the police find them, and they are finding them. I mean, if you look at the SP13 stores, they're full of flat-screen TVs, but they don't know who the insurer was. Um, when they do find them, from that microdot number, they can ascertain who the original owner was and who they were insured with and give it back to the insurers. They want it for, for salvage purposes. Um, you look at a boat, for example. Yes, the trailer, it's mandated the trailers have to be marked uh, for legislation 20, 2012. Um, but, for example, they will steal a boat not f- not for the trailer and not for the hull. They want those motors. So the motors are your major component of, of a boat. That's your most expensive component. And uh, they're burning the hulls out and leaving the trailers. Um, 
So, you know, ski boat tra- motors are, are, are a major, major item um, that's getting stolen and, of course, very high. I mean, you look at the, some of them are starting at 120,000 rand each. A lot of our listeners are actually involved in law enforcement, both in the pu- public and private sector. Um, we have a lot of private investigators that listen to the podcast, etc. Yeah. And the International Association of Auto Theft Investigators seems to encompass both public-private partnerships. So you've got both the public and private sector. What do people need to know about the association? How do they become a part of the association? Who are you looking for to join the association? The the association is – the fundamentals of IAT are public-private partnerships, and that's what it's about. There's a lot of expertise out there. We've got uh, a a basic accreditation for vehicle theft, for example. Uh, Manuals that we're busy compiling should be finished by the end of this year, which is your basic uh, training um, we supply a lot of training through to SAPs. Uh, we, we do point of entry operations with them. So your major border posts, we go and we assist them at the, at the point of entries. We were in, uh, Lesotho Masiru gates, oh, what, three, th- four weeks ago. That was a major roadblock. That's it. <laughs> so we were there, we, uh, and we assisted SAPs there too. So, you know, anybody in law enforcement, private investigation, investigators, um, we are looking for members. Um, it's it's really a fantastic cause. There's a fantastic networking um, opportunity within IAT as well. And the training is just top, top-notch training. Uh, once a year we have an annual training seminar for two and a half days where we've got top trainers that uh, uh, present to, to the members. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of valuable, valuable information that we, we share. And there's... It's, there's the membership fee is um, it's, it's 550 a year. It's not a, a phenomenal amount, um, but there's a lot of benefits, and uh, we we're taking IATI now to the next level in the southern 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 African branch. Where do people find out more about the IAT? On the website, they can Google IATI um, or on the website IATI.org. Um, and everything is then there. They'll see the South African branch or Southern African branch. Um, all information's there, um, and and the email and the contact uh, details. If people want to find out more about uh, recovery dot recovery tag now, what's yours? Tag with yours is the brand. Dot's the product. So yeah, um, we're also on the website www.recoveri. So it's r e c o v r i dot net. Um, or uh, we all have a Google as well, so um, the numbers are freely available. I just find it so fascinating that we are now going back to target hardening. We were so happy with keys that were encrypted. We were so happy with, with keys that didn't have to be inserted, etc. But the result was far more violent crime because people wanted the person and the key. How do you think we're going to communicate to the criminal that these vehicles are actually harder to take because they have other measures that have been taken to protect them. Because you also don't want to give away what it is that that vehicle has in an effort to recover it should it go. So yeah. it's a bit of a catch-22. It is. You can secure a vehicle as much as you want, Chad. You will always have vehicle theft, um, like we discussed earlier, not just for the vehicle but for, for to commit other crimes with that vehicle. So it's very, very difficult. So, you know, the the owner of the vehicle... It really has to um, apply themselves. For example, one of your biggest um, why people are hijacked is they're not vigilant. They will sit in a car park. I mean, I, I saw a lady uh, we, 
um, in, uh, walk up to her motor car. She was on her cell phone. She had her trolley. She opened. She didn't even stop talking off her cell phone, loading her car, got in, sat there for like another three, four minutes, and then drove off. That is a perfect target for hijacking. You've got to be vigilant. Get, go to your vehicle, load your vehicle, get in your vehicle and drive. Um, 80% of your hijackings happen at, at your driveway, coming home. You are so relaxed, you're just getting home. Here you stop, you push your gates, and you're not even looking what's happening around you. And now you drive into your yard, and boom, there's four guys around you. And uh, that is, is a major thing. You've got to be vigilant coming home. Approaching your driveway, have a look behind you. See there's no one following you. Is there any suspicious people um, at your gate? Uh, if you've got a lot of bushes around your gate, clear it out. Um, you know, that's the only, only way. Uh, unfortunately, people have become very laxy-daisy, and they always think it'll never happen to me. And that's where, when, when they go wrong, and that's how they, they become these targets of these hijackings. In closing, in a, in, in a perfect world, what do you think people should do to secure themselves, in particular when it comes to their vehicles? You know, we rely a lot on manufacturers and things like that, but the way I see it going forward is we're going to have to – I like my car, for example. I'm, I'm going to go over and above the, the factory fitted. I have. I've got an aftermarket um, immobilizer in my vehicle. I've got quite a nice one because it works off my cell phone. And, uh, you know, but I see that's what people are going to start doing. They're going to start looking at the go back to basics uh, until the tech can actually accommodate, um, you know, uh, the – the security required on these newer vehicles going forward. You can have driverless cars. Can you imagine that? Sure. <laughs> Philip Oppermann is the Southern African chapter president of the International Association of Auto Theft Investigators. You can find that on the website. He's also the CEO of Recovery Tag, What's Yours, which is all about the microdot. Philip, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chad. And I look forward to chatting more about uh, the, the association um, going forward and how that together with the Insurance Crime Bureau, the Second Police Services and all other role players can come together to stop the scourge, especially the violent crimes that are perpetrated in the theft of motor vehicles. Fantastic. That is the only answer. You've been listening to Confidential Brief. I'm back next week. And it's a similar show. We're going to be chatting about how to avoid being hijacked. We'll be back same time, same place next week.